0: What if you could learn from physical product entrepreneurs that have risen up from the trenches to dominating their market by creating successful physical product brands? Well, this podcast is hosted by me, Conway Campbell, and it's about breaking the mold to becoming a smarter, savvier, and better product entrepreneur. You'll discover how to take physical products from concept through launch and to scaling up from physical product entrepreneurs who've taken their revolutionary ideas to 1 million, 10 million, and 50 million plus in revenue businesses. You'll also join me in my journey to build a million dollar physical product brand business in a year, where we both will learn about crowdfunding, selling to retail chains, launching through marketplaces like Amazon, strategic partnerships publicity celebrity endorsements and selling direct to consumers so if you're creating or building a brand in the consumer package good space in fashion and apparel business products or any physical product niche listen in because we have you covered join the fast track to physical product business success this is the physical product business podcast i'm Kuné campbell let's get rolling with retail moving online, finding a good domain name has become ever so important. But the challenge is that most decent .com addresses are either difficult to acquire or unavailable. The good news is that retailers now have a powerful alternative with the .store domain name. A .store domain name will be short, relevant, and directly associate your site with e-commerce and retail. Search engines give .store domains the equal attention and importance as .com TLDs. .store domains have already been adapted by top brands such as Emirates. So if you check out Emirates.store, you get to a store there. Jimi Hendrix or Jimi and F1 Formula 1, F1.store. If you want a short and snappy domain name for your retail brand or your online store, you can now get a .store domain for just £4.99, which is about $6.99 using the coupon code 2XSTORE. That's 2-X-S-T-O-R-E on get.store. So just go to get.store in your search engines and use 2Xstore. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. It is a game-changing email automation tool specifically built for scaling e-commerce businesses. I'm not just saying it. I use Klaviyo in my e-commerce store, and stores I advise for. Household names in the e-commerce space such as Brooklyn in, Bonobos, and Chobis use Klaviyo. Here's why. Klaviyo has one of the most impressive feature sets in the e-commerce email personalization space at the moment. Besides the one-click setup, Clavio's pixel tracks visitor behavior to help you set up highly effective custom email funnels. Clavio also offers pre-built autoresponders for cart abandonment, upsells, and win-back campaigns. Clavio's most game-changing feature is its Facebook audiences integration, which helps your email list to sync up with your Facebook ad campaigns. So, as you continue to scale up your store, Klaviyo will help automate a lot more sales. Try Clavio today on Clavio.com spelt K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com Hi guys, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast the podcast where you learn from entrepreneurs and e-commerce marketing experts on how to grow your e-commerce businesses Um, I just have one thing, one promise to you if from what you learn here you could 2x1 metric i'm satisfied i'll keep on recording now on this episode i'm joined by gentleman an ex marine turned entrepreneur who got into a family business and has managed to scale their business into eight figures over a decade and it's been they've been ups and downs in their business um from selling other people's brands which i don't exactly um support every time to actually owning their private label brand um and yeah so i've had an initial discussion with him and it's it's an amazing business you know they're going they're more into the gaming in terms of like recreational gaming space um, and um, they, the name of the website is called dazadi.com We're going to talk a lot and a lot and lot about, you know, many aspects of building um, an eight-figure business I'm talking about a, a 10 million plus business, the cases of it So um, if you are, you know, listening and you want to find more, just keep on listening Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Jason Boyce to the show Welcome, Jason Thank you, Kunle. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Jason, I haven't done you justice with the introduction. Could you take a minute or two to just introduce
1: yourself and then we we, we kick things off? Oh well, there's so many questions I want to ask. Um,
0: from here, I was meaning to ask you, was the adoption ever official, or
1: did it just? No, it, it was not official. I still have a, a very loving biological family. Okay. Uh, that I, you know, of, of course, very connected to, but uh, I was away, you know, for college and flunking out of college. Wow. And the Claristenfeld family just kind of took me in. And, wow. You know, I adopted them. I think more than they adopted me. Wow. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I, I literally when I introduce uh, my brothers, or they introduce me, we introduce
0: our, each other as brothers. Steam. So yeah. We're solo- well, well, yeah. So you, yeah, in, in your low, you you you, you bonded, and um, yeah, it's it's solid. It's it's rock solid. Right, Um, so so that's really inspiring Um, Off the back of, you know The intimate times you had You know, building a business off the back of it Um, When did you When did the penny, you know, drop To make the decision as to selling You know, um, gaming equipment You know, and games, you know, online Did you even start online?
1: We did, we started online entirely Um, In the year 2002 I had just gotten out of the Marine Corps and we sat down at that family dinner table that I had so many uh, family dinners and lunches with over the years, and yep. we decided that we wanted to start a business. And it just made perfect sense to us that we would offer the same kinds of products, like basketball hoops and mm. table tennis tables and foosball and, and backgammon and board games that yep. we used to belong as brothers. Mm-hmm. It just was a natural fit for us, and I think we started with just basketball hoops, but we always had the intention to expand into the other categories.
0: Okay, how did you get the basketball hoops?
1: Oh, it's a great question. We started pure dropship. Okay. So we just called everyone in America that manufactured basketball hoops, let them tell us no as many times as they needed to until we got to yes, <laughs> and, and it only took one. You know, by the time we got one manufacturer to say yes, you know, we launched the website. Uh, we started to build a back-end. My my younger brother, Josh, who's still, uh, he's the COO of the company, also okay. co-founder, he was a junior in high school. Okay. He, he designed and developed our first
0: back-end, uh, wow. front-end of the website. What did he run on at the time? What was that? What did he run on technology-wise at the time?
1: Oh, I believe it was all PHP and MySQL, which wow. ironically we're still running on, but they are light years ahead of where they were when we first started. <laughs> fantastic
0: interesting interesting yeah and were you you'd, you'd graduate you'd just come back from the marines at the time you'd yeah. graduated four years in the marines and then you started out a, a business what about your your military background you know being a marine how did it impact on taking risk oh well the, there's no better training
1: than marine corps training for taking risk uh calculated I, I, I got my college degree first, which took me a very long time because I, it turned out I had a number of learning disabilities that I had to overcome mm. um, that, that came up during college. Mm. I graduated from college. Um, I was going to the recruiting office. I didn't know what to do next and saw a cover of Inc. Magazine that had a picture of a lieutenant colonel with a dress blue uniform. And on the bottom it said, the best business management training program in America. And I took the magazine and I walked in the recruiting office and I said, I want to do this. Uh, It just made sense. I was very active at the time and I liked the physical activity and I wasn't ready to join an office yet. So um, I went through the grueling uh, process of even getting accepted to the program. And then they flew me out to Quantico, Virginia where I went through this officer candidate program for 10 weeks, which was probably one of the most difficult things I ever did in my life, and then followed by some six months of officer training. And I spent four years in that program, uh, gaining uh, self-discipline, confidence, um, planning, uh, strategy ability.
0: Mm.
1: And it, it really... Um, made all the
0: difference to me in life and in business. It's lifelong. It's lifelong. Talk about a return on advertising spend. <laughs> the ties and spend. The magazine, the INT magazine, spot on. <laughs> spot on. Okay, right. Um, so would you say they've been like major milestones to where you are now? And would you mind if, if you publicly share um, your revenue figures where you are now, revenue wise
1: sure we're at about 22 million we'll be at about 22 to 23 million in revenue by the end of this year not bad at all uh, yeah not not too bad we're happy with that revenue number Absolutely. Uh, we'd like it to grow uh, bigger and we we actually this year we made a very big decision um we started this business as a dropship business only wow. and in the years we we pulled it pulled back the percentage of revenue that was dropship and in january of this year we cut off the remaining 10 to 15% of our revenue that was was dropship revenue. Okay. And we've gone 100% inventory. Okay, fine time. It's, it's been a real learning year for us mm. um, because managing inventory is very challenging. And so we've built our own um, ERP system over the years, and we've been adding a lot of features to uh, making sure that we control this asset, which is next to our people, is probably the second most valuable asset that we have at Dazzity and it's been quite a learning and uh, it it really is a transformation from the way we used
0: to do business. Uh, That's very interesting. Um, Let's talk about key milestones. Um, Over the last, over 10 years, um, you started out as a dropship, you know, site. Um, Not many dropship sites survive eventually. There's fatigue. Um, How did you Go beyond selling, you know, um, basketball hoops. How did you initially expand? What did you expand to? When did you start becoming mature? And you know, how did you get your first million? I know there's are many questions, you know. And then, you know, how did you build up to here? Do, do you have any key milestones in in, in the in the history of, of Audacity? Yeah, so
1: there's so many milestones. I? in 2002, when we started. We built a very basic website. And uh, we, we were paying per click. And it was a nickel a click wow. to to website, back in those days, sometimes less. And uh, it, it was magnificent. In the first year, we did 100,000. The next year, we did a million. The following year, we did 2 million. Wow. Um, we, we doubled to 4 million the year after that. So we were literally doubling in size the first four years. And it was on the backs of this PPC. I, I forget the name, I, I get the names mixed up. I think it was Overture.com. Hmm company to really do this pay-per-click stuff, even before Google AdWords yeah. launched. And then I think Yahoo bought them. Yeah, uh, It was a bidding process. So, so you know, 2002 and I think 2004 was another big milestone for us because we got this phone call from Amazon and they said, hey, we'd like you guys to sell basketball hoops and game tables on our website. Wow. And we said, yes, please. We didn't ask any questions. We said, please, we'd like to do that. And uh, I always joke with people, but it's a true story. We were selling basketball hoops on Amazon before Amazon was selling basketball hoops. It's, <laughs> it's, hard, to, it's hard to imagine that because they're, they have such a broad catalog now. Yeah. when they first called us, they were selling books and DVDs and yeah. music and all this media. So yeah. it was a very big, uh, it was a big day for us when we got that phone call. And we have been on the Amazon platform for a long time and we know it very well.
0: Yeah. That was about the time... Yeah, that's about the time, 2004, according to, to the book, on The Amazon Store, that was about the time Jeff made the decision to, to, to become a platform. And, and that just changed, you know, everything. It changed the game. You know, Amazon was, was playing, you know, on... Which, which is amazing, you know, the fact that you're selling basketball hoops before Amazon. Okay, so four years, you know, 2x growth all through... Um, then, then did it start to slow down um, or did you, you know, um, you know, figure out new ways to, to hack growth and co- continue, you know, um, going 2x or, you know, 1.5x? You know, in, in those days, in 2004,
1: once we got to 4 million in revenue, the wheels were sort of falling off the cart mm. uh, because there was so much growth and we were such a small team. We really spent a lot of time developing our own software. And to this day, we run our business off of our own um, ERP system that uh, manages everything from our orders, our products, database, um, you know, customer service. We have uh, uh, pretty intense financial reporting hmm. that allows us to drill down per SKU and per order the exact profit on each individual order, uh, and we can zoom in and zoom out. And we, we did that because there was no really good SaaS software that was affordable at the time. Now, I mean, if I was starting from scratch today, I would use, there's there's a number, there's a dozen great stuff
0: what, what would you, you use know. for, for an ERP now? You know, um,
1: as far as running an Amazon business or a marketplace business, you know, I would I would look to Skew Vault or barn or one of yeah, those guys. Yep, yeah. um, I think they have a very good product and it's always getting better. Um, but, you know, you know we, if I was starting over, we made also and on the ERP side work with something like a Sage product or some, you know, some, some Oracle products that have become affordable uh, a the okay. space. And um, so, yeah, so that, that's what we spent a, a number of years doing is building out the capability so we would know where money was coming in and coming out. At the
0: same time, trying to be profitable, so maintaining your profitability. Okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And remember, we had some in-ground talent with uh, Brother Josh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really High school <laughs> whiz. <laughs>
1: Oh. He was at Berkeley University when he was building up our ERP system okay. in his free time while oh. he was getting a degree in something else. Uh, he's pretty incredible, and, and, and Elon is my other brother. Elon who is still very much involved in the business. And he okay. was his idea actually to launch into air hockey, foosball tables, and because uh, he, he had just gotten out of college okay. and had left the fraternity and said, "Jason, every fraternity house has a pool table." <laughs> So that's how we got involved
0: in the home rec business. Okay. The last one. okay, okay, okay. So so what's the leadership like now? Your CEO, Josh is COO. What What is Elon what's what's Elon? It, Elon is the CRO, he's our CR. revenue officer. Okay. We always joke that he's the chief relationship officer <laughs> everyone loves Elon and all the vendors love talking to him. So
1: Okay. Um so we you know, I, I'm a CEO, but I don't do anything without running it by them first. We've been yeah. doing this together for so long that we really are. We do make consensus decisions, and we've learned over the years that if one of us says, Ah, this isn't a good idea to move forward, then it's probably not. Hmm. So we, we always are in lockstep when we make our decisions. Trifecta, strategy changes, etc. Like, for example, the one we made this year to shut off all of the dropship business. Yeah, that was something that we talked about and whiteboarded again and again and again. And we all agree that given the landscape and uh, wanting to future-proof our business, that putting all of our resources into developing our private and um, getting away from Dropship and man- managing that inventory yep. so that our performance metrics with the customers so we can yep. deliver fast and free was really the only way
0: forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I am interviewed um, a gentleman by the name of um, Jason Laguerre. Um, um, he's who's doing like forty million dollars in um, in in revenue in, on Amazon, just Amazon. Um, and he was pretty much moving prior to that. He was just moving, um, you know, toy stock, and then um, he made a decision to to kind of put a halt in that, and he concentrated on private labeling for more control because he was complaining about margins and about um, the lack of um, supply chain control. So he's, I think, the second biggest at the time um, supplier of um, costumes and and on Amazon. Um, so, so I, I just wonder where they are now because I I interviewed him like about a year and a half. Um, I'm sure they've they've made you know significant progress and you know as you said it's it's down to control really and. Um,
1: That's fantastic. I mean, I, I honestly think, Kunal, that the future of brands is going to start with. Jason and companies like us, mm-hmm. we have a different playbook than the big products companies of the past and present. Mm-hmm. And we learned this from launching products on websites like Amazon, like Walmart, like Jet, and some of the other our websites. And we we have this uh, saying with our products team: launch and learn. So we go we go live with the product before we before we uh, decide on designing and developing a new product, we first do a lot of research, and we read all of the information that's out there. We read about the product reviews from competitive products. We look at the specs from competitive products. We look at the Q&A from competitive products, and we find out what customers are unhappy with Mm. in current top sellers. And then we go through this process of determining whether we think we can improve that mousetrap. And if we can, then we'll move forward. And... Um, You know, many times the playbook for companies like Procter & Gamble and Johnson Johnson and these big boys is that they have these very talented design teams where they make up a product and then they put it in front of a consumer focus group and then they try to adapt it from there. Mm -hmm. I I just don't think that that is the best model forward. And I think that the way so many of us scrappy Amazon sellers and e-commerce sellers have developed this new product, I think that we're the... I think we're the future brands uh, that
0: you're going to see developing. Uh, absolutely, because in in the age of of data, where where this data is readily available, you know why take the risk? Why not sock all that information in, analyze it, and you know um, as you said, execute. You know if if you can improve on the mouse, mouse, mouse trap. Absolutely. Uh, I you know one hundred percent. You know I'm in line with what you just said. Okay. Um, so, so where do you, you talked about um, Jet.com, Walmart, um, Amazon? Um, are you very active in marketplaces? We're we're extremely active in marketplaces, and okay. we're constantly adding new marketplaces. Okay. At the beginning of this year, we added
1: Houzz houz dot
0: Are they a marketplace? They're they're
1: remarkable. They're uh they they have exactly our customer demographic, hmm. and they do, they have a very huge following when it comes to customers buying.
0: Things for their home. Are they an um, e com site or an a f- or a? a pl- they, are. they are now. They, they are an online marketplace. Yeah, wow. Been there this year and we've been very happy with. The I've I've I only I, I've I've known them as they have come across as an interior design you know hub or platform kind of like Pinterest, but right. I didn't realise that they, they they actually sell. Yeah, okay, interesting. We get calls from designers all the time saying uh, we, we have a we
1: have an exclusive uh, brand. France called René Pierre Foosball mm. so we get a lot of calls from designers asking us to specialise the colour for the foosball, they're beautiful French artisan made yep. foosball tables and uh, we get a lot of calls from designers from that platform and others saying we want to put a foosball in this room, can you make it bright yellow <laughs> we will customise for them uh, uh, based on them finding us on you know, the house network
0: Well, the- which comes with the premium I, I suppose um, yeah. rightfully so,
1: <laughs>
0: absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, prior to, 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 actually, you know, making this interview happen, um, I interacted with, um, some, some of your staff from the Philippines and, and I recall you said you're making a trip to the Philippines and, um, we haven't really talked too much in detail about that, but, um, what do you guys do in the Philippines? Obviously, you're probably not sourcing from the Philippines. I think it's more a resource center. How's, how's that playing out? Um, could you expand a bit more? And-
1: uh, a- absolutely. We, our largest office is in Manila and we wow. have our own, uh, Dazzity entity and staff of 21 members as of last week. Wow. Um, and they do a lot of, uh, back office work for us, including, uh, product listings, that we have a, a full design team for not only designing images for great product listings, but also helping us design new products, uh, look and feel in the product design category. Wow. Um, they do some level of customer support, no, no phone support, but they, they are, are an invaluable piece of our customer support uh, uh, team and uh let's see what else we're doing there we even have a budding digital marketing team that we're spinning up there wow. uh, so we do we do a lot of work in the philippines with our very highly educated uh staff who love the west um yep. and uh are, are highly motivated and they do a tremendous job for us and we also pair those teams with um experienced folks here in the united states and many of our people here in the U.S. actually work from home. Okay. So we just, well, we just finished our, our like that. Tree. We do this semi-annually. So we <laughs> all get together and we have a group of meetings and we have some, have a good time together so we can see each other. But most of the time, our staff in the U.S. are working from home. I really it like that. Us, yeah, it really allows us to compete with the likes of Walmart and Amazon and the others who are able to lose money on the sale of a product, which we can't do. Yep, um, yep. So we have to be and we have to be
0: flexible yeah I like the fact that you're agile you're a very agile business even you know though your your you're eight figures you know a lot of you know, business is the moment they do, they, they even hit five million in revenue. Um, they get the office, you know, the really okay. big office, flashy office, you know, and, and they're paying lease. They're, 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 they're investing in, in a 10-year lease, you know, and, you know, when you could put it into developing products and, you know, being more agile in, in the marketplace. Um, just, you know, I, it's interesting about yeah. about the Marine Corps yes.
1: beforehand, and you articulated exactly the way we built this business structure. With flexibility in mind, so mm-hmm. you can expand and contract easily mm-hmm. if necessary. Um, but one of the one of the life lessons that I learned from the Marine Corps is they have this concept called maneuver warfare. So one of the strengths of the Marine Corps, because it's a very small armed service, true to the,
0: to the Army, warfare. they're an elite. Yeah, exactly.
1: So they have to be nimble and they have to be flexible
0: and they have to use their resources
1: really, really wisely. So I like to think that I
0: pulled that from my marine training. I like that. We, we spend a lot of time trying to employ it in our we are, are, are there any books you'd recommend to short-circuit your, your, your marine <laughs> 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 mentality? <laughs> no, i I've I not I I a marine years because I got the training. So. <laughs> Just
1: a <the> mentality, <laughs> Jason. Manoeuvrability. You know, <laughs> in, in, in the list of Marines lawyers who have written some really good books on what they've learned in the Marines, but uh, give me
0: something I'll write one. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's amazing because um, I'm just actually thinking about it. You know, they're, they're a small elite, you know, group of, um, you know, of, of the army, they're, they're parts of the army and, um, you know, they go, they execute and they deliver results, you know, yeah. and uh, very, very effectively being, being, being nimble and, and agile. Two questions with regards to um outsourcing not outsourcing actually managing teams do you use like tools such as slack um to to communicate what what you use to 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 bring everybody together so they feel you know they the 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 like a team you know despite you know working um in, in in very you know working from home and in the philippines working across you know the the world really
1: Oh, yeah. So so Slack has been valuable to us. Mm. It doesn't work with our China office because the Chinese government doesn't allow often for American uh, software products. Right. Uh, but, we'll, but we'll
0: use WeChat. Okay. We, we need to talk about your China office. Sure, sure. sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but certainly our office, uh,
1: our, our, our main office in Calabasas, California, and mm-hmm. From the home workforce, yeah, we find Slack to be incredibly invaluable. Well, we also recently started using uh, Zoom, uh, Zoom I believe is the product. Yep, yeah. and I really love it because it allows us to have FaceTime okay. uh, with our staff, and it's a really good interface. We also use Skype, okay, uh, which we're using now. Yeah, we are. Uh, that's that's been uh, incredibly helpful and valuable. We use a lot of uh, program management software like Trello boards. Okay as well as uh, some of the 37signals software. Yep. Based, yeah. mm-hmm. Depending on the project, we'll use one or the other. And, um, you know, we make sure that every week, US team, we have at least a Zoom or a Skype meeting so we can see each other eye to eye. And we also, the, the, the important piece with the remote workforce, in my opinion, and we've had great success with this. We have these dazzling retreats. Hmm. So we will fly everyone into a resort somewhere. We'll hang out for the week. We'll uh, spend time together, eating meals together, yeah. talking about business, talking about each other's families. And yeah. connecting them that way. We try to do that at least once, sometimes twice a year. So that's been really important to us as well. Um, the, you know we, we miss that we miss that connection uh sometimes but by having these Dazzity retreats it really helps energize the whole team yeah, get in the same direction. yeah. not that they're not all the time but it's, there's just something about that face to, that, that live connection that
0: uh, helps I agree and I suppose there might be breakout you know um, meetups from you know certain members say, say the marketing team needs a device you know need, need to have a creative session they probably just meet face to face sometimes you know um yeah Exactly. Space. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's cool. To
1: where
0: we have our office uh, with our investors. Uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. Let's talk about this China office. Um, obviously, um, you've let loose of um, the drop shipping aspect of the business, which is terrific, you know, this year. Um, and you're, you're into your own label, your private label brand, which you're, you know, um, selling both across marketplaces and through your website um how what tips would you give to listeners because i know there are listeners who you know are building uh, mid-tier businesses looking to scale to your level and um the the brick wall basically um you know just thinking about um you know um, having an operation in china what would you recommend you know um what did you experience how did you start
1: well wow, um Great, great questions, and we, we may need to do another podcast because there's so much information to unpack. Right. Uh, not only our story to setting up our own office in China, but, uh, you know, it, it's a very different culture. Um, it is. And, and it, it's, it's very hard, especially for a Westerner, to go into that culture and change their thinking, uh, and you really have to. You really have to change your thinking. So how we got started is we had a, we had a couple of uh, dropship vendors at the time, and, um, you know the, the you know the, the relationship kind of fell apart for one reason or another. We couldn't get them to deliver a time or whatever, and so we decided to replace that business with our own private label. We've been actually doing this. Probably, I've been going to China myself two or three times a year for about 13 years now. To, to Guangzhou?
0: Do you go to Guangzhou or?
1: I, I I Yeah, I fly into Hong Kong and I either take a car or a ferry across into Shenzhen. And, okay. Um, Dong, Dongguan is actually
0: Dongguan, okay. Okay. Is located. Dongguan, okay. Wow, okay. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in, you know, the transformation has happened in that South. <laughs> it's area that ridiculous. Like it's is
1: remarkable. <laughs> Dongguan, to me, it looks like a, a budding Silicon Valley now. It's, it is, uh,
0: yeah. The, the transformation has been, you know, really uh, 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 yeah. I, I was in China a few months ago, and um, yeah, it's, it's a parallel universe. It's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, and the amount of development is just really ridiculous. The the scale of, yeah, yeah so I, I
1: Uh, this was 13 or 14 years ago and uh, people that could get me in contact with some factories and we started through a long prolonged painful agonizing series of trial and error <laughs> wow. settled on the factories that we, we do now uh, one piece one, one suggestion that I would make to, to the viewers in, in the right kind of factory mm-hmm. is two things number one I've have, I have found that the factories that I develop long term relationships are ones who are already manufacturing and delivering, maybe sometimes even for my competitor, into the US market or into the EU. Okay. If you haven't already made produced products and delivered to the United States or the EU, I've found very little success with those factories because it's a it's a big ramp up for them to understand the difference in culture and the difference in consumer
0: requirements. Your practice and, essentially.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, so that, that's number one. The second thing is, if you if you do decide on a factory and you have them do a product for you, um, I, I would highly recommend hiring a company like an Asia Inspection com, oh, yeah. which is a great QC company that's very affordable, to do a pre shipment inspection of the goods. And uh, you can select how many, you can do a random pull from your, deli- from your goods that you're going to ship over, and you will find amazing things. You will find amazing defects, etc. And through that process of quality control, you can really work with developing the relationship with an Asian factory. Okay. And it, it will take it will take two to three years. Uh, oh. The Chinese are big believe in a concept called guanxi, which is a long term relationship. Um, I have found, even with rising prices of commodities in China, that I will get better pricing with the factory that I've been working with in three to five years than I than I did out of the gate, which is a little bit reverse of the way that the Westerners do it. Yep. The Westerner wants your business, so he's going to give you a better price today and not, and he's going to incrementally increase your price. It's price a hook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: in China, it's reverse. It's reverse. Wow. That was a very deep learning curve for me. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Same factory, mm. and really um, internally we joke this is not fair to the Chinese factories, but the devil you know is better the devil better than the devil you don't. don't know. Know. So sticking with the factory, even if they're making mistakes and working with them to correct those mistakes, is a much better tact in China than trying to start over with
0: a new factory. Right? How big are these mistakes, and how 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 difficult are they to, to rectify? They're very difficult.
1: Before we found the company Asia Inspection, I mean, we're doing our own QC now because we have our own office. But before we found Asia Inspection and realized that it's probably a good idea to QC before shipping, I'll give you one example pops into mind. We had two full containers of product, which probably totaled about 80000 US dollars, um, into our warehouse in Los Angeles. And it was a folding leg product, it was a foosball table that had folding legs. The only problem was the folding legs
0: only folded this far. They, yep. They only <laughs> Angle, right. angles, all the way down,
1: so it turns out my customers did like that very much. So Two containers.
0: Two
1: containers, yeah. oh, And, and um, you know, we, we employ now a large network of contractors. I mean, we have our product designers in the Manila office, but depending on if it's a new product line, we have contractors that we use for product design, also engineers. Who can help us with sampling and uh, um, testing? Pre-testing product prior to production mm-hmm. is very important. <clears throat> and situations where they'll send me a sample and it's perfect, and then production will go through, and I'm expecting my perfect sample to happen, and it's just not the case. So, <sighs> and like I said, we could do another podcast. Well, Cass, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly, exactly, <laughs> no right. No Decade and half almost, um, and, and you know now, ironically. The cost of labor and materials is really increasing in China and we now have a factory in Vietnam. So Okay. We, wow. And uh, we, we, we even have some factories in Europe. Uh, that we're okay. Some exclusive okay. That we're in the okay. So really expanded the countries. We, we've received a product from Pakistan uh, wow. this year as well. So this is our first foray into Pakistan. And wow. Each, each country has its own... Venture cases, cases yeah. You know, yeah.
0: To, to yeah. Yeah. You're a full-fledged global company. <laughs> 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 round four loop. <laughs> yeah, Fantastic. It's really, it's really great. You know, I, I
1: was an ugly American when I started this process, <laughs> and I couldn't understand why they couldn't think like me. And the best lesson I ever learned is: okay, this is their country, and you have to learn to be flexible to their... and see. Put yourself in their shoes and try to understand mm. their point of view. And the minute that happened, and it took me five years to learn that hard lesson. The minute that happened, my
0: life got so much easier as it related to working in other countries, et cetera. So fantastic! Um, I come a long way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really wish we're running out of time, but, but you know, I, I've enjoyed every second of this conversation. Um, one question I to ask before I, you know, let you go before we get into the evergreen questions is. Um, you know we talked about amazon and marketplaces what would you advise um what steps so let's take take you several years behind hold on one second okay let's take it one you know several years you know let's go several years back um if you are to do amazon again and marketplaces for those you know of our listeners who are looking to to get into you know um marketplaces
1: how would you do it effectively now Rapidly as they get bigger and bigger and apply more resources to the marketplace. Um, I, we really, at this point, have a love-hate relationship with Amazon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we realize that it's a tremendous market and that it owns half of the online market share in the United States. Um, and yeah. i in Canada and the EU. Um, so we have to be on the platform. I think if you're just getting started, and this is a big nut to crack, if you're just getting started on the Amazon platform, I would highly recommend coming up with your own private label product. Yep. There's just no future in selling other people's stuff on the online marketplaces. Across I mean, the board. <laughs> it just, there's too much downward pressure on price. Yep. There, it's too competitive. Uh, if you're selling something that someone else is, it's... There are sometimes where there's 60 to 80 other sellers. We've had we've had products in the toy category where there are 120 other sellers selling
0: the exact same. How thing. do you, how do you manage? What do you do? How do you move your stock in such situations? You know, um, th- this is a problem I'm i I have with with Amazon. It seems like it's it's a race to the bottom. It commoditizes, it puts lots of entrepreneurs against each other. You know, they're chasing, you know, the, the same market, the same consumers. It seems like it's allowing a glots of products, you know, into the market that are not ne- necessary. And yeah, what what, what are your thoughts, in, you know, on, on, on Amazon? And um, the fact that they own 50%, you know, market share in the States, it's, it's almost similar here in the UK. Mm. Um, where, how do you thrive you know you guys are thriving you know how, how you guys balk in the trend
1: you know Kunle, this is our third podcast we're going to have to do together because right. <laughs> I'm mucking that down <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of tools that we have learned through trial and error and through a good close network of other big Amazon sellers and there are some tricks of the trade uh, one of the frustrations that I'm hearing among my other I call them colleagues other is that you know a lot of the tools that we've used to employ in the past are being taken away from us, mm. and um, you know, w- w- but but at the same time, they are giving us new tools. So, we have a brand registered brand, Harville is our private label, H-A-R-V-I-L. Okay, and because we're brand registered, we have complete control over our listings, and now we can do what used to be called A plus details pages, they call them enhanced brand content pages. So that allows us to not only talk about the product in great detail, but offer additional imagery. We add infographics to the images so okay. we, the customer can see visually the, the features and benefits of each given item. And then it also gives us a little bit of a, a splash screen to talk about our brand, Harvard, and why why it's special. And and so because we have private label products and we own this view, and we're not currently allowing others to sell that brand, at least not yet um then we find that that's a tremendous boost um, you you have to uh, you know also manage product review which are a critical piece of this whole thing mm-hmm. the craziest thing that we do is drive off amazon traffic onto our amazon listings okay
0: from social media it, it
1: goes in- from social media, we're, we're considering doing it uh, also with some email lists. Uh, it's really goes against the grain of building your own e-commerce site. If you have customers, you wanna drive them to your site, but we've found that it gives a tremendous algorithm boost to driving traffic. Now, back to your original question, how can you do it selling other people's stuff? You really can't. You can't be in control of the listing unless you work with a vendor that gives you brand registry, like I mentioned, uh, Rene Pierre foosball table is uh-huh. a, a beautiful French table that we we have exclusive North American selling rights. Yep. So we have we are brand registered, and we make those EPC pages for them. But if everyone else was allowed to sell that as well, we would have no control of the product listings. Gotcha. And we never stopped working those product listings. I, we joke in-house that they should be assets on the balance sheet mm. um, because those listings were, were constantly tweaking we're listening to what the customer's telling us about the product and asking us about the product. We're, we're adding those that, that bit of information. We're tweaking our imagery. We're tre- tweaking the keywords used to describe that product mm-hmm. because those things change every quarter, every half year. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we made the decision in January to get rid of the dropship because if we're selling other people's stuff, it's, it's just there's just no so control. And we have no control. So this way we have, we get to engage in a relationship with the customer, letting them, um, you know, ask us questions about the product that we can then go back and answer on the product listing. Um, and it just gives us so much more control of our own destiny. And Amazon will, will reward you if you have a, a fast growing popular private label brand. They also, I think, see uh, the future there. And you know, you're also competing against against Amazon retail who will go out yep. and buy your stuff.
0: Yep. And, it, and, and they sometimes it. ask you for invoices. They could take your listing offline and say, yeah, how did you get this? You know, we're trying to run, we're trying to validate a test. You know, could you send us supplier invoices? And you're wondering, hmm, what do they need supplier invoices, you know, for, for, for um, to
1: reinstate? I have, a, I have a weekly
0: call with my friends that are also Amazon sellers in
1: non-competing areas. Mm-hmm. Some of them
0: crying
1: on the phone because... They just don't have time to run their business anymore because they're getting up invoices and even the invoices get rejected at times. Mm. Uh, and I say, I say the same thing to them. You know, private label, start your own label. It's the only future on the online market, mm. it's specifically Amazon. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I suspect that that's the way that it will go with the other online marketplaces, yep. like Sears and Jet, Walmart as well. But.
0: Um, so, so, so two things i've I, I, I picked up one were was like the the barrier to entry um one is barrier to entry um you have a very high barrier to entry you you you, you have things that um are not necessarily classified as small packets um this is my son um tommy <laughs> say hello Hi there. Hi there. okay <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll see you later <laughs> it's Tommy. Um, <laughs> I can't stop him. He likes my whiteboard. But um, yeah, so you have high barriers to entry, um, with you know, and you listen to your customers. That's that's why I picked up from from your um, from from your Amazon um, from, from your Amazon strategy, and it seems to be really working, you know, and um, um, well. Right. It's, it's the secret sauce. Nice.
1: Yeah. We're we're lucky because we take
0: phone calls from those customers as well. So, okay.
1: You know, we we get when (laughs) we call Marine Corps boots on the ground information from our customers on what to do to make this product better for them in the future. Okay. And uh, we've even had situations, and we do this constantly. If a customer leaves a bad review, we'll call them. Uh, if If we can find them, we'll have a conversation with them. We'll make the change to the product, and the next time that product lands, we'll send them a new one free of charge. We want every customer to be happy. So we're a little bit crazy and obsessed about trying to make a product that the customer
0: will literally fall in love customer. with what they know about it. Fantastic. Fantastic. And the other thing I picked up from what you just said was, um, your mastermind course. You may not call them mastermind calls, but they, they are mastermind calls with, you know, other similarly minded people who are non-competing with you, uh, share all the information. How important has that been to going to Zaddy? You know, it's, it's been, it's been tremendous because, mm. uh,
1: we, I, I just had breakfast with a, a big seller, much larger than I am, here in Seattle, uh, the last last Friday, and um, we share our struggles and we share some of our our successes and failures, and and together we we really it, it really is helpful. It really is a, a helpful communication, and I've been very fortunate and lucky. You know, I've had some speaking engagements where. Uh, after the speaking engagement, people will come up and ask me questions and I've developed relationships in that way. Mm. Um, and then also people I've been on panels, discussion panels where I've become friends with people on the panel. And it, 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 we have sort of this camaraderie together and the shared sense of pain and agony. And also it's nice when we can share successes together
0: as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Fantastic, Jason. Um, it's It's been amazing. It's been fantastic actually having you on. Um, and... Yeah, I'm, I'm super, I'm, I'm actually excited to get into the next um, round, which is a lightning round where I ask you five questions. Um, and yeah, if you could answer them with a single answer, it'd be fantastic. It'd be great. I'll do my best. All right. How do you hire people?
1: We have a list of questions that I affectionately call the crazy questions. Okay. And it helps us identify, I borrowed from a book, uh, uh, and, and his name escapes me right now, but he, he's a guy that wrote the book for the Secret Service on how to um, interview uh, and, and screen threats to the president. Well, okay. I ask I ask a version of those questions, and I get the crazy out. We have the best, we have the best people because they're all focused on team, the team. They're they're not narcissistic. They're incredibly hard workers Hmm. who value and love what we're doing. So I ask the crazy questions, that's how I hire
0: people. Fantastic, good stuff. Um, What -hmm. are your three indispensable tools for managing your business?
1: Well, because we have so much remote workers, uh, both here in the US and then we have the offices in China. Well, I can't use Slack in China, but Slack is is absolutely critical to our business. Mm -hmm. The, um, the second piece of software that we love is, is the Trello boards and a lot of the project management. We talked about that a little bit earlier. The third thing is, is that's completely indispensable. is our own ERP system. It okay. works really, really well for exactly our businesses, um, and uh, we we just couldn't do it without it. I don't think we could start today building it from scratch, but we've been lucky uh, to build a really awesome platform over the last 16 years.
0: You're on big commerce, right? Uh, uh,
1: Big Commerce,
0: yes. Yeah. And um, how, how does Big Commerce work with your ERP?
1: So we have an API connection yeah. uh, with the Big Commerce front end, and we went through an exhaustive search uh, to find a front end service because it's really not our strength in software, it is the front end. And we talked to everyone. We talked to Magento, we talked to, um, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the guys from Canada, um, but we found BigCommerce to be the absolute best platform out there. Uh, we call them the grown-up platform. Everyone else is kind of dancing on the fringes, mm. uh, but they're the only ones that allow us to do the things that we need in order to run our business. Mm. I was going to ask
0: earlier um, what the share of um, you know um, front <coughs> to, like website to marketplace business looks like you know at the moment, but but that totally crossed my mind. Would sure. do do you mind sharing?
1: Sure, we, we have 30% of our total business goes to our own website. It's okay. a fast-growing segment. Mm-hmm. The lion's share of our business is really in the online marketplaces. Okay. And Amazon the largest portion of that. If you add up all of the others together, it still doesn't hold the candle to the Amazon. Yeah. The but they're growing fast and they're catching up.
0: Do you do international with, with Amazon?
1: We just launched in Canada, yep. Amazon. We have set up our own entity in the EU, so we're coming
0: in. Okay. To soon. Uh <laughs> we realized after a visit to the EU that we have a lot of homework to do before we launch there. Yeah, this VAT, which which is a big, big yeah. one. But um yeah, yeah once once heard it, that is crossed, it's it's smooth sailing. Okay. Um <clears throat> Okay. What has been your best mistake to date? By that time, I mean a setback that's giving you the biggest feedback. Oh
1: my god. It's you know, I've had so many great mistakes over the years. We have a lot of stars. <laughs> um, you know, We talked about some of them in the interview, but I I, I think that uh, the, the biggest mistake we've ever made is the mistake to go after market share in spite of profits. Hmm. And we don't have the ability like Amazon to sell stock for $1,000 a share to make up for lost profits, honestly. Hmm. We can't do it we don't have loss leaders for the most part um unless it's a closeout item that that was a miss by our buyers but we are not in the online market share business we are in the online sales for profit business yeah and we got away from that in 2013 it cost us a million dollars that year we had a million dollar loss and it was it was the most painful but also the most lasting uh lesson that we've learned and and that preempted us in our ERP system to build the reporting that takes us down
0: to the SKU level and down to the order level and combines all of our costs so we know exactly to make money. Back. So you understand your profitability your profitability to 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 the product level. Every single sale you make, you understand what the margins are in real time through right the ERP. The level, but also the order, level. order level, nice, mm-hmm. nice, great stuff, great stuff. Okay, final question. Um, if you could choose one single book or resource that's made the highest impact. On how you view building a business and growth which would it be
1: you No, know, the book that convinced me i read this book while i was still in the marine corps okay that convinced me that i wanted to go instead of the corporate america path i wanted to go the entrepreneur path was uh, robert kiyosaki's rich dad poor dad
0: oh nice okay that's um,
1: for those listeners out there who are thinking about starting their own business and haven't taken the plunge i highly recommend that book um, it, it, it was very
0: enlightening and it, and it, and it, put me on my path towards entrepreneurship. Knowledge. Fantastic. It's, it's, it's been a recurring, you know, recommendation from, from several guests. Jason, how can I thank you enough? It's been an insightful, it's been, it's been like a marathon at the same time as sprints <laughs> over this past hour. Awesome. Um, it, it is indeed it is indeed um, and I'll take on your offer with regards to um, you know subsequent interviews around outsourcing and marketplaces you know in a good time but it's thank you so much I've learned masses I would you know follow up with questions via email to you if that's okay given your heavy schedule but thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show Thank you so much. Cheers.